Morning, everybody. Today we're talking about being like the Jews of Berea. So, when we jump to the book of Acts and we read through learning the history of the church, we read that the Jews in the synagogue of Berea, which is recorded in chapter 17, verse 11, shows that it's described as being more fair-minded than those of Thessalonica. So, the quick question is, okay, what's the difference between them and the Thessalonican Jews? The answer is that the Berean Jews were more willing to listen to Paul and Silas when they were preaching instead of just simply casting them out of the synagogue. These are the Jews who chose to search the scriptures for themselves to see if they were telling the truth. And if you continue reading, it was the Jews of Thessalonica that came to try and stir up trouble after they heard that Paul and Silas were converting. But going back to the whole topic we're going about is that the most profound part of this verse is that they, what I'm calling, Bible-checked the preacher to make sure he wasn't just barking about the wrong tree with more legalisms, like Pharisees and stuff were used to giving, or removing certain things of the law, which the disciples were also accused of doing. Several of them were accused of destroying the law, which Jesus then said, I did not come to destroy it, but fulfill it. And then there's the worst case of people, like teachers, giving wrong teaching, which, for a historical example, was the case in the Roman Catholic Church before the Roman, sorry, before the, sorry, my brain's just jumping over the place. I'm recording this at 7.05 p.m., so it's been a long day for me. So. You just, you know what it's like. If you listen to the one from Bring Your Best, you know that I like to do these as much time as I dance so I can keep a steady stream going. And anyways, back to the topic at hand, it's that the Jews of Berea were willing to read through the scriptures. They only had the Old Testament at the time, but that was still good enough for what they had, and they checked through what was being preached see if what was being said added up. The Roman Catholic Church, as we all know through our study of history, was able to get away with that because of how they had control over the writings. People weren't able to Bible check their priests. So that's why this is so important. And even more so in our current era, we have so many different people talking and giving their opinion on many different subjects. In my blog, since I'm reading from the blog to give you the best, it's hard to go from one format to another, and I've gotten a little better at going from blog to podcast, a bit more freeform. But as I'm saying, I'm still new at this. I've only been trying this freeform stuff for maybe a week, two weeks. Anywho, going back to the whole point, it's that, in our current society, we need to be more like the Bereans than ever before because there are so many different people trying to give their influence, trying to put their opinion and idea on any type of matter that you're going through, back in those days and today. But in our current day and age, where the influencer culture is a big deal, we've got so much to be talked about. They talk about from things that mean nothing in the long run, such as what ice cream is the best flavor, 
and then there are other things which have a major impact on our society, such as the moral standards that we use, or religion that we base our beliefs on. Then there's also the whole what political system do we use? And any of the hot button issues which exist are all things that we need to know what the scripture says so that when we engage with society, we do not have ourselves deceived. When I first started writing, I actually wanted to be someone like that. Have subscribers in the zillions, sponsorships, things like that. The whole nine yards, um, the groups give people some sponsoring me, as well as things like Patreon, and the you know the whole stuff you find for popular YouTubers or um, what's the word I'm looking for, or comment social commentators. I wanted to be someone like that, so uh, God didn't have that plan for me. What you want me to do with these writings is to focus on. Helping the church understand the importance of scripture and their relationship with God. And how it's so important to cultivate that relationship through knowing scripture personally. When Paul wrote many of his letters, he wrote letters to all over the place. A little over half of the New Testament is accredited to Paul, or was it a little less? In short, Paul was busy. He would travel, he would preach, he would establish a church, train up the leaders so they could continue to work, then he would go to the next one, he would get reports from places, he would be with his co-workers discussing the subjects, then write a letter to them, and he would do this a lot. In the church in Corinth, he had to write many letters too. Scholars believe that there was maybe four different letters they wrote. To the church. But we only have the first and second Corinthian books in the New Testament. From what I understand, it's because scholars say that these were the most detailed and profound in dealing with the issues of that particular church, which is why when the councils were gathered in the early, I think it was maybe third or fourth century, to canonize the scriptures, they include these two because of how important they were in establishing various different doctrinal principles. The other letters were a lot more of a side conversations dealing with specific issues weren't necessarily applicable to the time and frame. I have to admit, I haven't done that much study into that whole situation. That's a different rabbit hole I don't have time for. But the short of it is, Paul wrote a lot of letters. He dealt with a lot of issues. And in his, in what we call the second letter of Corinthians, in chapter 10, he talks about the spiritual warfare that Christians are involved in. And I call verses 3 through 5 as the main highlight, which I have written here, and I will quote because it's scripture, and I want to make sure I get this right. So we're quoting from the NIV, and it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, NIV 
for those of you not in the know, NIV is the translation of the Bible we're using. Because over time, as people learn, study, languages change, and they always, every so often, have to go back to the original Greek and Hebrew and translate it into the modern language of English. But anyways, what we're talking about, the knowledge of God which Paul talks about, which he speaks of, has two meanings. It's our knowledge of who he is, but also his knowledge which he gives us. And we get that from scripture, as well as our time in prayer. We always want to make sure that we compare the two to each other. And so, continuing on with my notes here, I mentioned that there are a lot of gifts that he gives the church. And I want to talk about three specific ones which have major application to our current situation. These gifts are the gifts of insight, knowledge, and wisdom. Insight can be understood as being able to read into a situation, being able to recognize what's going on. Because of that recognition, that ability to see, you're able to react in different ways or change something in your life. It has all the difference of the outcome compared to making that change. Now, knowledge is different to insight. The gift of knowledge is when God decides to speak directly to you about someone else. And in 2020, I had an experience with someone having that gift. So I was at a men's conference that year, and John Bevere was there to try and involve a lot of people with his newest book, which was X, Multiply Your God-Given Potential. I don't know if he has written any new books since then, I haven't kept up with it, just because we all have busy lives, we can only do so much. And so, he had people with book copies, hand out books to friends, do posts on social media, and pretty much he wanted to get the church involved. And it wasn't just so much like his publishing group doing it, but rather he wanted as many people personally involved and vested because X was a message to the church, to the people, to realize that their work was each and every single day. Sort of what I was talking about in Bringing Your Best, which I really encourage you to go check out that episode. It's a short, it's 10 minutes compared to this, I'm going to guess it's going to become a 20 to 30 minute episode today, but that's okay. And so, John Bevere was having all this part of a group meet, one virtual group meet where everyone was, you know, signed into the online thing. You have your screen with a bunch of little mini screens, seeing all the different people. And he was doing that to just celebrate, to encourage everyone, to thank them for being part of this. And then he said that we needed people to be involved in various different things. He was naming people as God directed. And when he was talking about how important it was to have people pray so that others would recognize and take to heart this message of truly focusing on multiplying whatever they've been given by God, he mentioned my name and one other person. Now, I do not know John Bevere beyond the professional standing of, I know that he's an author, a speaker, and someone who is chosen by God to do a lot of things. That's trying to encourage the church. 
if he knows anything about me, it's probably that I had an Instagram account, that I may have had a blog, and that I signed up to be part of the group. That is all I know. But when he's mentioned my name, and I was completely skyrocketed, I'm like, whoa, how did he know that I'm a prayer warrior? Of course, my brain was like, ooh, maybe he read my blog. No, I doubt that. He's busy and has a lot of other things to do. But in that moment, after the group meeting finished, and my mom was like, so, how'd it go? I told her about what happened. She explained that was when God gave him a word of knowledge, giving him a direct understanding of someone that he would not have known otherwise. And the names that he was choosing were people that God was directing him specifically to choose. And wisdom is very similar to the gift of knowledge, but it is different. It's when you're able to speak something profound into the life of another without always intending to do so. King Solomon had this gift and was able to impart a lot of wisdom to us for the purpose of helping others live godly, righteous, and even prosperous lives. I'm not someone who believes in the prosperity gospel. Summarily says, Christians will never suffer or undergo any trials, but have all the wants and desires that they met, met if they follow God's way. But when I say prosperity, I mean that we will not need to worry in the ways others do. In the ways others do, we know that God is with us and is working things for our benefit, for the sake of His glory. And that is what wisdom is, is when God shows us ways that we are to go, similar to insight, but slightly different. It's sort of like insight for someone else to help them, if that makes sense. Now, these three gifts are important for those who seek the Lord because there are many people, as I mentioned before, that are speaking their own things. They're trying to influence and change how we think and see things in life. So some of them are directly trying to deceive us through many means and methods, I guess, going a different direction. And, sorry about the uh, hiccup. And then there are other people who will be speaking with confidence, not realizing that they are speaking half-truths or that they are um, talking falsehoods or just not realize that what they're speaking is foolishness. They speak confidently because they don't realize, which is different to those who are actively trying to deceive us. One of those groups of people are those who are saying that a man can get surgery to make his body look like a woman, and thus he is a woman. That we know is wrong. Just because you change your genetics, my mistake. Just because you change your physical body doesn't change your genetics. Can change the outside, but the inside remains the same, although hurting. And then there's another one which is making its way around our society, which says you are an oppressor just because of the color of your skin, regardless of what you yourself do personally. Those are two main lies that are currently making the ways around the internet, and. I just had to break these out here because 
they are one of those things that you have to confront. Sorry, I was just uh, drinking a bit of water because I'm not used to talking for so long. Anyways, going back to the main notes, there are many voices, but these voices can and will be silenced when you choose to focus your thoughts on scriptures. The silence that you have to deal with is one where it's not so much that they disappear, that they become like a white noise. Something that you have heard someone say, but it doesn't really stick. It doesn't become something that has major influence in you. And that's because when you know the truth, it returns the authority to control what stays and what leaves in your mind. That which stays are the things of God, the things which you know are true, that which is false becomes part of a white noise again, which is really just ignored, it's in the background, but you don't really care about it. And something that doesn't really have an impact on you. And as you continue determined to follow God, to determine to know the truth and to seek it, your nature, your behavior, your stalwartness will affect the others around you. Some people will be offended and see your actions as obtrusive because you don't come because you're not compromise because you're not being nice and changing what you're saying because you aren't stopping from hurting others feelings and well not to sound cruel or heartless but so be it Jesus offended a lot of the Pharisees by his speakings by speaking the truth because they were leading people astray and others will be grateful that you're doing so because they were too afraid to stand as you were doing. And the reason why you have to understand why they are so afraid is because those who speak truth in a society which loves darkness and falsehood, those people who speak truth will be scorned. And others are truly afraid, which is why those who are not willing to stand up will be grateful that you are. And I'm looking at my notes, now I'm here at the end, just checking to make sure I didn't miss anything. But one of the things I want to say is that for those people who are glad that you're doing this, that you're standing up, they're the people who will most likely never tell it to you publicly, because they're still afraid. And that praise you will never receive on earth is one that you'll receive in a massive amount of repayment in heaven because as God said those who deny me before man I will deny before my father and those who acknowledge me before man I will acknowledge before my father and that's something you just have to understand it'll be hard in this life it'll be worth it and the final things I want to say is that being a Berean being someone who is like them it's definitely worth it. I've been doing that for several years now. And while it's hard, trust me, going through these podcasts and saying this, this, and this, then looking at scriptures that be like, rats, I have to go change this. It's annoying. I get it. And then when you're living your life, you're like, 
I know you've got to do this, this, and change this and there. It's not an easy change for those who are coming into this newly. I've been blessed to grow up with this stuff, so it seems easy to me. But to others, it's not. And I'm not going to... That's what I'm looking for. I'm not going to negate your struggles. But what I am going to say, it's worth working through. Until then, courage and Godspeed. Hi everybody, it's me. I'm making one final PS edition because I missed something in my notes that was very important. And it's that when you are going through times of struggle where people are pretty much calling you names and making you feel bad for standing on truth, it's that you shouldn't be afraid to pray to God when you give your lamentations or your expression of worry, your expressions of emotional feelings to God. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. That's fine. He wants you to come to him. You cast your burdens upon him. And that's just something that I want to make sure you heard from my notes that I want to make sure you got. But as I said last time, courage and Godspeed, because this path is worth it.